What's up and welcome to Groundbreaking, a friendly original podcast bringing you the young creatives redefining entrepreneurship and introducing you to tomorrow's leaders today. I'm Jake Brewer. Let's get started. Today I'm joined by author and TV writer Chris Sumlin with his third book on the way and a resume full of accomplishments, including a shout out from a Kardashian, by the way. The 26-year-old creative is sharing his story of being unapologetic and embracing your passion and how to navigate a world full of opportunity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Groundbreaking. I am absolutely thrilled that you decided to join us again today. Um, I think, I don't know why, every single time I do an episode or I think about um, people coming back, I'm always afraid that nobody's going to listen to the show anymore. And then that means I can't do the show anymore. And then that means I can't talk to people anymore because I mean, truthfully to get super personal, this show is a way for me to selfishly pick and choose people. I want to get to know better. Um, and if you don't know, I do essentially all of like the, um, organization for the show and such myself, because I want to make sure I'm talking to people who genuinely interest me and who I have so many questions about their story. And I'm just so intrigued about, um, and I feel like, I mean, typically you guys know, I'll typically do an intro sort of thing, talk about something that's on my mind, but I really just don't want to do that today. That's not how this episode is going to work because we have so much content to dive into. I mean, if whether you're driving right now, you're on a treadmill, like get ready. We're in this for the long haul together. Um, I mean, don't worry. We're going to try to stick to our normal time. And I know my guest is going to hold me accountable to that because <laughs> I'm very much guilty of going on tangents. Um, but I think that's what makes the show so exciting and special. And honestly, are my favorite moments are when we're totally topping, talking off topic and it just gets super random and exciting and we just get to learn so much about each other. So my guest today is somebody who we were just talking before I hit record on this call that we're on together, um, who I feel like I've known for so long. Um, and is probably, he's probably thinking right now, like, God, this kid is crazy. Um, like if we've never talked before, I think maybe, I think we've sent like a few like DMs back DMs. and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just over the years and stuff. And I know him because he's an alum um, of BU. And that's where I go to school. And so I think that's originally how I first started following each other. But Because I think you might have a Terry Tuesday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, this, you guys, this guy is so, so good. I am so excited. He, you know, I'm not even going to try to tell your story because your st- it's just so, it's, yeah. Okay. We're going <laughs> to dive in. We're going to dive in. Uh, Chris Sumlin is with me today. He is a incredible author and just about checks every other single box there is with the creative industry and is just such a well-rounded and inspiring creative who is so transparent with his work that it is just so inspiring, especially as like a young person. I mean, I, you're, I think you're only a couple years older than I am, but in my eyes, you're just like the most experienced professional. And I'm like, I just have to emulate every single thing that he does. So <laughs> you're like laughing at me right now. Chris, I am so excited that you're joining us on the show today. Thank you so much. I, when you reached out, I was like, oh, I'm so in because I followed you for a while since you were at Terrier Tuesday. And I think you have like the best Instagram I've ever seen. What? Like the way that you put your photos up there, I'm just like, hello. So <laughs> I'm really happy to talk to you. I was really excited about all the stuff that you're doing. And I just think it's great for us to connect, collaborate and help each other out where we can. So I'm really excited about this. 
Good. I, I feel the exact same way. And you're right. I think it was like a, it was, must've been a couple of years ago. Cause I know I've, I've seen, I've watched you progress over these past couple of years and the amazing sort of strides that you've made. Um, let's just start here. I, what I admire and probably relate to you so much about is just how, like, I hope you, I hope you see this as a compliment, but how like nomadic you are and just, you are so like willing just to go around and just try new things across the country. Um, and I feel the same way. It was so funny. I counted the other day. I've lived at 17 different addresses in my life, wow. which is like, which is something that I'm like, that is so cool. And I feel like is now the fun fact on the first day of school when they tell you in like the, you know, terror um, that you feel. Mm -hmm. But um, I, that's something that I really admire about you. So I guess where, I don't even know, where are you right now? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, this is where I grew up and went to high school. So I'm here now because of the pandemic in California, everything was locked down and shut down. So I'm quarantining with my two dogs here in Columbus at um, a house here in Columbus. Nice. God. You, and I mean, everybody listening, like obviously can't see your face, but like I can as we're talking right now. He's just already like smiling and I'm like, <laughs> I've never seen someone so content with the quarantine concept than you. Like, and I just know what, like, based off of your character and what I sort of have picked up about you is that, like, this is just such an opportunity for you. Was this, like, whole mm -hmm. like, world, like, shutting down? I know you are not the person just to, like, accept this as, like, a time just to relax. I think you are very much a silver lining person. Yes. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. And if, and if you've decided just to binge every possible show that there is during this time, there would be no judgment from me whatsoever. <laughs> um, I binge read. I've been reading a lot of books in quarantine. And I just, I feel like this is our time to reset. Like we were in such a very divisive time with everything going on. And I feel like we have time to really step away and catch a breath with this mm -hmm. quarantine and with the pandemic. So for me, I've been using this time to really take a moment to read and reflect and write. I've been writing um, a third book, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And I've just been doing my best to be productive. And I also feel like this pandemic has been a level playing field for everyone because now we're all at home. We're all on Zoom. So that person that may have been Hollywood or six degrees away from you, you can hit up on Twitter and say, hey, let's do a virtual coffee. Let's do virtual drinks. Let's just chat. Let's do a podcast. And I just feel like the pandemic for me has been a time of just um, productivity and reassessment and self-reflection. And I'm not really excited for it to end. I'm like, I think we need more time just to catch a breath and breathe. I, it's so funny that you say that. I feel like, I feel very much the same way. And it's, I mean, I don't know if you intentionally said podcast or not, but like, if quarantine never would have happened, like this show would have never happened either. Mm -hmm. And I, gosh, like the amount of things that I have learned doing this show is unreal and I sincerely hope that everybody who has been listening and who have followed all the episodes so far feels the exact same way and feels like there is this spark of creativity in them now because I see people like you and everybody who I've interviewed in the past who are just like have a mindset that is so I'm going to contradict myself here youthful but like so mature at the same time mm -hmm. like it's it's almost it's whole like a whole new thing and I am incredibly excited for this new like new book um how exciting. Thanks. The third book that you've written to. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's start here because I'm, tr I'm like trying to find like a starting point for us because you have so many bits and pieces that I'm so curious about. Um, let's start there with like the very first like book. Um, I think this is a good like starting point. Like when did you have that sort of initial first spark of like, I want to be an author or writing or was it, was it an actual moment? Yeah, I will say, um, well, I graduated from high school and I had my associate's degree. So I had my associate's degree and I was already in college 
by the time I was 16, graduated at 19. And then from there, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta. And I was a junior um, thinking about potentially writing a book because I was sitting at home one time and I was just thinking about television. I was just relaxing. And I just had like an epiphanous moment where I just had an instinct moment that said, you should be an author, you should write a book, and the book should be called Dealing with This Thing Called Life. And I grew up in the church, like the church is a big part of my growing up and my foundation. And I remember my father preaching a sermon, because my dad was a minister growing up, called Dealing with This Thing Called Life. And I just, somehow all of that came to me in a moment, like you should write a book called Dealing with This Thing Called Life. And so it was just 12 chapters, 12 lessons and 12 affirmations with the intention of just trying to get young people to be inspired and to be, and to read because I like to read. I think education and knowledge is how you change the world. So when I was a junior, that book came out. And then just as a follow-up, after having that epiphanous moment, I did Dealing with This Thing Called College which I wrote about my undergrad experience from beginning to end. So then after that, I was just thinking like, I enjoy creating content that is for young people, like a for us bias type thing, because we can all read Wayne Dyer, we can all read Yala Van Zandt, we can all read Rick Warren, but there's a difference when it's someone that's speaking to us and what we're facing right now, which a lot of self-help gurus don't necessarily have that experience. So as myself being a young black male in the culture, I think it's important that I tell my story and do so in a way that's very bold. And so last Christmas, I was sitting at home and our Wi-Fi went out because that's just what happens in LA. <laughs> and I thought like, I should try to create something because I, I just turned 26. I'm 26 now. And I was like, well, I, I'm halfway through my 20s. Like from 20 to 25, I've learned so many lessons. Like I've went to college, I've written books, I've lived all over the country. So my third book that will be coming out this year is just some of my best stories, my best lessons written for just young people to be inspired and to be informed. And that's just what I am all about, just telling stories that invite people to be their best selves. Yes, I, 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 love, I love that. And I love that you come from a point of just as simple of like, just going back to the roots of storytelling. Like mm -hmm. you don't need to make it a bigger thing than it, like, it really is, but I'm also so amazed that like at the time of your junior year, you had that sort of moment of like, I should write like a book about life. Because I think a lot of people like during yeah. their junior year, I mean, I just finished my junior year of college and I'm like, mm -hmm. what the, I feel like I'm have like I already had my quarter life crisis and I'm like mm -hmm. so confused. So I'm amazed that like at that time, I mean, like what was going through your mind? Like, did you feel like you had that experience and expertise to sort of help other people or I don't know, was it more so like people just need to hear from people who are going through the same thing? Yeah, I think, well, I was 21 when I wrote my first book. I was literally 21 when I did the first draft. It came out when I was 22, but the manuscript was done when I was 21 that fall. And then my birthday was in January. And I just, I feel like I don't look at myself as an expert. I don't classify myself as a self-help guru or any, or influence or anything like that. I just do my best to be authentic and keep and be very real with people because I feel like, titles, degrees, accomplishments, those things you can deflect and you can batter down on that's ego. But I think just authentic story and authentic experiences cannot be measured. So for me, and just understanding that my story matters, my life matters, my experiences matter and can be influential. That was kind of my thinking, like my story deserves to be told simply because it was mine. And um, the first drive was rough. Like I wrote it very, very fast. It wasn't the most seamless process. I had never written anything before. When I decided to write a book, I had never written a blog. I had never journaled. It was very kind of spread. So there was a learning curve. 
Um, but eventually, like I worked with my editor, we worked it out and people to this day are still reading that book that I wrote five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. So um, I think it's the test of time and it's a timeless body of work that I'm still to this day very proud of. That's, uh, that's great. Cause I feel like work that I did five years ago, I almost don't want to attach to my name anymore. Like, I, <laughs> and I mean, maybe cause five years ago I was what, like 16. And like, I think anything at 16 probably shouldn't like stay with you. Um, yeah. At least for me that I should probably shouldn't say that in general, but literally for me. Um, I, and I love that you have that pride in that, in that work because I can only imagine the things that you've sort of learned since you first sat down to write a book. Um, and I love that you were like, I just wrote through, like, just start with the first draft. Cause I mean, I haven't written much in my life, but like writer's block and that sort of thing is probably what prevents a lot of people. Like, especially like me, of course, like I've had that moment of like, Oh, should I write a book? Just cause that's the kind of person I am. But, um, what, what did it take then with that first sort of draft? Cause what I, what I don't like about writing is then rereading what you wrote and then realizing mm -hmm. it maybe wasn't as great as you thought it was. What was that mental process like as you were diving into that first draft? And I don't know, did you have a, I'm really unfamiliar with like the publishing industry. Sure, did, you have, sure. did you have somebody connected to it at that time? Yeah. So I had the instinctual moment to write and then I just started writing. And that's really important that people have to understand when you have an idea, you just have to make action and then trust that whatever you need will show up for you. So for me, I had the vision. I started writing already. Just like, like the same way you write a paper, you outline it, you say, okay, I'm going to write this topic sentence, these supporting details, this conclusion. It's the same exact format. It's just for a longer document. So I knew I wanted to do 12 chapters. I knew I wanted to tell 12 stories. I knew I wanted 12 lessons. So I got to write it. And then I put on Facebook, if I were to write a book, who would buy it? That was my status. It wasn't, I need a publisher. It wasn't help me. It was, if I were to write a book, who would buy it? And by me just being bold, which is so important because so often people think you got to move in silence and modesty and the meek shall inherit the earth. And I get all of those things, but sometimes you got to let people know what time it is. You know what I mean? You got to let people know what's going on. So when I make that status, a publisher reached out to me and said, hey, like I see all the things that you're doing. You're at Morehouse College. I've seen how you came from Columbus, Ohio, moved to Georgia. Let me help you with the process. So I gave them my vomit draft and let them work. And then they were a hybrid self-publishing company that takes manuscripts and produces books. So I just had to make sure that I did the Google document, Word document, and make sure I had enough words to create an actual novel, which came out to be about 29,000 for the first book. And then I had, to, which is very small. Most books wow. are between like 50 and 85. I was like, that that's small. I was like, that's so yes. much. <laughs> yes. Um, my book is similar to like Art of War or like The Four Agreements in regards to length. Those are really powerful books, but they're really, really thin. So my book, I think was maybe like 120 pages and it was 29,000 words. And I sent it to them and then they sent it back with a lot of notes and grammatical corrections and all that. Like I paid for a nice package. So I was able to do all of um get as best editing as possible and then i did the edit sat with the draft a little bit longer turn it back in and then they took it over i just had to send in the word document and then photos for the cover and they handled everything else wow mm -hmm. okay okay dream scenario what the heck <laughs> that's yeah but awesome. that's, i paid for it like that's like yeah. that's their business that's their company like you give them manuscript and you say what do you want they have different packages they have some packages where if you just want a children's book if you want to do an audio book if you want to do a website and a book they have like all these different packages and i just chose what one was best for me and 
that's how it happened and there you go was it Mm -hmm. was it weird to see their edits coming back to you because for like a story that is so personal was did it feel strange to have somebody and i don't know if you even knew the person who had left those edits for you but was that like a weird moment of like did it feel like they were like almost intruding on the story or was it more like thank you it was definitely thank you and gratitude because if you I can somehow feel like everyone knows me. So I can sometimes tell my story in a very diluted way. So it's important that when they said, well, what do you mean? Like, if, they're, if, if you're not familiar with historically black colleges, if you're not familiar with what it's like to grow up in the hood of Columbus, Ohio, that's really big part of my identities that require context. So when I'm writing these stories, I said, oh, you know me, you follow me. They kind of checked it like, well, I don't remember that. I don't know that. So do you mind, who is that character? Who is that person that uh, mentored you? What does your neighborhood look like? What did it smell like? What did it feel like? So when they pushed me for more context and more details, that's what made the book way stronger, as opposed to me just kind of saying, this is my truth. Like there's structurally, story-wise, character-wise, they helped me build it. And that's what was very helpful in that process. And so mature of you too, to be like understanding that in that moment, like there are parts that you don't necessarily know the best way to do it, but there are going to be those people to help you. That's, I mean, extremely admirable. Um, So you go on and I mean, I don't, I can't even, what it's like, I guess, first question, what does it like feel like to hold like a book that you wrote for the first time? Like to actually uh, see something it felt tangible. Really good because uh, it came in a box. So I remember there's a video of it on YouTube of me like going to the post office and like saying like, "Hey, you have a box here," and then like seeing a box with my book with my face on it, knowing that I worked so hard for, and actually like turning the pages and seeing how like my Google Doc turned into like this beautiful, really nicely designed book was just a moment of pride because a book stands the test of time. It's like a song. It's like you know, it's something that it never goes away. And um, I had a book launch event on my college campus and it was packed out. We ran out of seats. And it just kind of let me know that like my work is needed. And it was just encouraging to conti- for me to continue to move forward and creating content that people want to read. Because I do think people want to be inspired. I think we need, I think media and what we consume, social media, news media, is constantly reminding us how not good we are and how terrible our world is. So I think you're constantly fed that over and over again through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, CNN, Fox News, whatever, MSNBC. It's important that someone tells you like, you are valuable, you are worthy. Here is my experience. I had nothing and made this. I didn't have a lot here, but I made this. And how people, when they get those authentic, true stories that inspire them, it makes them feel better about the world. And that's my intention with my work and what I plan to always continue to do. I, gosh, you have, I mean, your mindset and move is so, so mature, but also like just so appropriate for where you are too, um, which I know is a really tough, tough balance. And so, okay, so if I'm following your timeline right, you published this first book before you even graduated college. Yes. Did that like uh, yep. did that change your trajectory of like once you just once you left like school like what was in your mind what was that like next like logical step? Well, you know, not you know, books was my side thing. Like that's kind of oh, mm-hmm. it's just a little passion project because my main um, goal in life is to create television shows. Yeah. So for me, books and blogs and all of my stuff on the internet that's like my side gig my main focus is trying to create television shows. So when I graduated from Morehouse with a bachelor's degree in television and film studies, I was thinking, okay, well, now that the book is kind of done, what can I do to put myself into a better position that will help me create better TV shows, create better scripts, understand the zeitgeist and the way that the entertainment ecosystem works. So that's what led me to Boston University. When I went from undergrad, from a graduate from Morehouse, I graduated 2017, 
And then I went right into Boston fall 2017. So there was no gap. And in between that, during the summer of Morehouse in Boston, I wrote a second book because I was just feeling myself. And I was like, let's just do another yeah. one. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, the books is just like a very natural passion, but it's not my main thing. I'm really planning to do some incredible work in the television industry. All right, so you've heard about Chris's incredible work being an author, but let's dive into what it's like being a TV writer. We'll do some more groundbreaking. Give me 30 seconds. We'll be back. Are you ready to move out of your parents' house, but don't know where to start? Have no clue what to order at the bar? Maybe you don't know how to make that first move? Listen to In Your 20s, the newest podcast by Tino with an H, to help you figure out the things that they didn't teach you in school. From relationships to career and life, In Your 20s has on guests who have done it all, so you don't have to. Listen to In Your 20s, that's 20s with a Y-S, not an I-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check out my episode with Tina, it's one of my favorites. Enjoy. What's up and welcome back to Groundbreaking. Today we're talking to Chris Sumlin. He is an author and TV writer. He just finished his third script and his third book. It's absolutely crazy, his story, and he has some amazing stories to tell you that you are not going to believe and some great advice that really just inspired me. Cannot wait to share. Let's jump back in. We're going to jump forward a ton of years and we're probably just going to be jumping all over the place this whole time. Yeah. Um, I know, okay, However much you can tell us, because I'm sure that there's some sort of limitation that you have here, and I'm, we're totally going to respect that. But, like, okay, I know you just, like, wrote a show. Like, you casually just posted at one point, like, oh, yeah, scripted, like, a whole, like, show. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, when? When did this happen? Like, when on earth did you have the time to do this? And, like, I, I, guess, I guess maybe my overarching question here is, like, that time between BU and now... Um, however many years that was, um, like, you like lived in LA or do you still live in LA? Oh, uh, okay. Well, okay. Let's break this down. Sorry, so I'm, after I'm overwhelming LA, you so much. Yeah, no, you're great. You're, because I, and it's funny that you ask me these questions because I know you have questions that a lot of people have. So I have to do a better Good. job of like breaking it down. <laughs> but um, so when I was in Boston University's master's program, they had a semester where we lived in LA. And during that time, we interned during the day and went to classes at night. So that was back in 2018. That was the time I wrote one of my scripts. One of them, I have three now. And um, <laughs> I was still kind of like promoting the book on the side. Um, so then after I finished graduating from BU, I went back to Atlanta to kind of catch my breath because I was going so hard for a minute. So then I was kind of figuring, well, how do I, what do I do next? And then um, went back to Ohio and then I went back to LA. That was the second time where I was like, on my own. And that's when I ended up at CAA um, back in October. And during that time, I wrote two more TV shows. And then I got bored, so I quit. And um, now I'm in Ohio, about to do my third book and hopefully beef up and perfect my three television scripts. That's, God, okay. All right, so many follow-up questions here. Mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the first one being, how is, I mean, I, besides like the logistical things that we can probably like anticipate, like how is script writing different from then writing your books? Or is it like that different? Completely different. It's like football and baseball. Like they're two totally different sports. So when I'm writing, like when I was writing my third book, I didn't have time to focus on the scripts because to go back and forth into two totally different worlds was a little bit mentally overwhelming. So it is very different because my uh, 
television shows are completely fiction and they really don't involve me. Like I'm kind of in them just because I wrote them. So kind of in, but then my books are nonfiction and they're based on my life. So fiction characters, they're a completely different experience, different completely headspace that I'm in compared to the book. So it's really different because it's two totally different universes, nonfiction and fiction. It's totally different. Totally okay. different. That's okay. Perfect answer. That was like mm-hmm. something that I needed to like to settle with because I, I mean, I guess maybe like I think like, oh, like all writing just kind of follows a similar thing. But I guess from very like simple like level, your books are meant to be just read internally, whereas the script is like spoken externally. Yes, it requires actors and stage cues and painting the idea in the universe. It's so much harder. Um, I definitely find books to be easier for me to feel like a natural person. I'm still learning script writing. It's definitely a craft that is very tough and you only get better by doing it where books are kind of an extension of my blogs, which I do way more often. So the book is, the new book that I'm just reading is upwards of 40,000 words. And I wrote it relatively it didn't really take a long time because I know how to do that. Where scripts, it's a different muscle that I'm still trying to build. So, um, yeah, if that ha- helps at all. No, absolutely. Um, okay, so you're back in you're back in LA. So you've graduated, completely set. What is your just like saying? Okay, focus on the like TV career, and you're writing all these scripts. What was the moment then that you're like, okay, it's time for the third book? And yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It's like when you have these moments of inspiration, like doing groundbreaking, you kind of have like these ideas. And then it's your job to really honor those visions and ideas that you have for yourself. So I already knew that I was writing television scripts. I didn't really plan on writing another book till like 2021 because I was going to, I just had an idea for something else. And Christmas Day last year, I had that instinctual kind of gut feeling where it was just like, write another book to honor the fact that you're turning 26. And then I was just like, okay. So I went back to my job and I was like, I'm quitting because I'm about to write another book. And that was it. Like it wasn't, I just knew that I couldn't work at an agency which had a books department where it would be a conflict of interest where I couldn't do what it was that my heart wanted to do. It's one thing when your mind logically wants to do something like, oh, like I have this degree, I should probably go to grad school. It's another thing like when your soul, your heart, your gut, whatever you want to call it, is really compelling you to create a passion project, start a family, go to a different city, do a, a certain move. And I knew that my following my heart was in conflict with following like my career and following the rules. So I had to make a big boy decision and say, although I work at a really great company, I'm working at Creative Artist Agency, the agency that represents Ariana Grande and Beyonce and Brad Pitt. I knew that it was more important for me to follow my heart and do what I wanted to do than stay at a company and do what they wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what life is really about. It's about when you have a vision for yourself, honoring that vision and doing it no matter what. And that's what everybody needs to hear. Because so often when we're experiencing life, someone will say, I think you should do something different and you completely betray yourself i want to do groundbreaking i want to do a podcast where i interview interesting people someone will say well i think you should go you know continue to go abroad this summer and we have to always honor ourselves because your gut your instinct your heart will never ever leave you wrong so when i had that moment where it was time for me to leave caa there was not a moment i cried there was no moment i had any anxiety because i knew that i was operating from a soulful heart space and that's why I left. And that's why the book is coming out this year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I love that you say that because that is a lesson that like I have had to learn 
probably the hard way of recognizing that because I mean, I mean, you know, like you've written to these people, especially like people my age, like whether we want to admit it or not, we are so vulnerable and we want to take so much pride in like who we are, but we are like eager to hear what like people have to say and such. And I know that I've probably taken things to heart from other people way more than I probably should have. Um, but it, it means, it means a lot, even just for me personally, and I'm sure to people who are listening too, that like you have that realization that like, okay, you have to like follow your heart. And that moment of quitting like your nine to five and following your creative passion or pursuit. Um, so truly and like making that now your quote unquote nine to five, um, I think is probably one of the hardest decisions we've had to make to make. And, um, I, I love that you kind of proposed another side of that, of it wasn't a difficult, I mean, maybe I don't want to say it Mm -hmm. wasn't a difficult decision for you, but I think you kind of get where I'm getting of like, it was, it felt like natural or like if you're going to completely follow and pursue what you love, like you have to let like something go and take everything you like learn with a grain of salt, but then like implement that in what you actually want to do. And I'm wondering, do you, I mean, looking back on that decision and with this book coming out, do you feel like that was like the logical step? And I guess for people who are in those place, because sorry, I'm like, there's, there's a question coming. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) of like where people who are listening are very much like in all sort of different points in their life. And there's going to be some people who are listening who are at that point where you were at just a few months ago. What would you like say to them and um, to sort of realize, because I think oftentimes what our mind and our heart can get like a little bit confused mm-hmm. um, and addressing them in a bit, like what, what was that like in looking back on it? Um, what's your reflection? Um, you have to trust yourself. That's it. That's the thing, because you'll know. And I feel like we're in a social media culture that dehumanizes us and preaches us these ideas of not getting in our feelings and not trusting ourselves. But you have to trust yourself. Um, I'm also someone who is okay with suffering. Um, I was watching a conversation with Tim Ferriss, and he was about that whole idea of suffering, where a lot of people, again, social media can be very helpful, but it can be very detrimental to living the life that you want. Because when you look at everybody else on Instagram, They have their apartment, their car, their outfits, their concerts, their travel experiences. You can do try to be keeping up with them. You know what I mean? You have to just keep up with the Kardashians by watching TV. You don't actually (laughs) do that. You know what I mean? You have to follow your heart. And so for me, understanding that I had to make a big decision, I also knew that there was going to be cost. Like there's there's a cost to the dream. There's a cost to living the life that you want to have. It's not going to come easy. So when I left, CAA, I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a paycheck. Hey, I might have to go home. Hey, I might be able to go out to eat as much as I was. Hey, I might be able to do drinks as much as I would. But I would much rather live in the space of honoring my authentic self than staying in a company doing something to keep up with everyone else. And that's the thing. You just have to sit with yourself, self-reflection, meditation, journaling. What do I truly want? Who do I really want to be? And then what is that vision? Then after you have that vision, you got to act like it and run for it like your life depends on it. When I was at the office, I knew that I wanted to write a book. I just knew it. I was just like, I want to write because I know that people want to hear what I have to say. So I had the vision. So then I had to leave. I had to sit down on the computer, had to write day after day after day and do 32,000 words, 42,000 words and keep pushing forward. And I just feel like when you have a dream and a vision for yourself, you have to understand that it's going to cost, but don't let the cost cost you your dream. Keep pushing Mm -hmm. no matter what. 
Absolutely. Do you feel like you had a extra sense of freedom writing this third book, knowing that there wasn't like a class to attend or a meeting at work to be at? Yeah, um, the pandemic has been nothing but a blessing for me because it's normal to stay at home. It's normal to chill. And for me, I, I really, because it was hard. The first book I wrote while in classes. So it's like wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., writing on the manuscript and then going to class for four days and socializing and partying and all of that. It was just a lot. And then over the summer when I wrote the second one, it was a little bit chill because it was just the summer. I could just chill and write. Now this time I've, I'm a better writer. I have a really nice laptop. So the third one was a little bit better, easy for me to adjust to because I had that freedom because I quit my job. So although I may not have like, I may not live in Hollywood anymore. I may be at home in closet with my dogs. My book is done and I'll get back to LA when I get back. You know what I mean? But I, I had to sacrifice that in order to be able to afford to not work and be okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so, so much decision-making with the point that you're at. And it sounds like you have a really good, like, stance of who you are. And I think moving, let's start to, like, think, like, a little bit, like, forward. Because I'm re still really interested in, like, the TV side of things. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that's something that I know probably, like, a little bit less about you. Um, you So you have, like, these scripts and maybe I'm just going to call out my own, like, ignorance here. And that's totally okay with me. Um, I've probably done it a bunch of times. But, um what what is like happens like in that world so you have sure. like three scripts that you've i don't know probably are just you're aching just to get in front of somebody mm -hmm. one who is who is that person that needs mm -hmm. to see it and mm -hmm. like what is what is like the ultimate uh just sort of goal or like path for getting you the next like big television show Sure. So whenever a writer has an idea, usually let's use, for example, Shonda Rhimes, right? So Shonda Rhimes says, I want to do a show about doctors that like sit together and they have all this drama. It's going to be called like Untitled Shonda Rhimes Project. It's going to be like a medical drama. What she would do is that she would go home. She would actually write that pilot script, pilot being the first episode, the pilot. So she'll go home and write the pilot. And then usually she'll have an agent. The gatekeepers in the television and film industry are agents. If you don't have an agent, you're not getting seen. So I'm sure Shonda had an agent, which she got. And that's the hard part is like, how do you get an agent? That's where everybody's kind of like, I don't really know what to do. Because right now I'm the stage I'm at where I'm trying to get representation for someone to champion my projects. So after you find someone to champion your project, so Shonda would send that script to her agent. And her agent would take that to ABC. ABC would say, we really, really like this. We're going to go ahead and green light this. And we're going to call this Grey's Anatomy. So now that they have it greenlit, then Shonda will go back and they would write more episodes for the entire season. And then it goes into production. Production meaning actually filming the actor, saying the lines and shooting and all that fun stuff. What is in production? Post-production. Post-production would be when they edit it, make it look all cool. So then once it's written, which is pre-production, production, which is them actually shooting it, post-production and editing it, all 10 episodes, then they have the season. So the last part is distribution, which will say ABC. Hey, we're going to start streaming this on August 22nd, this fall on ABC at Thursday nights at 8. Boom. Now you have a show because on ABC Thursday nights at 8. So for me, I already have the ideas. I already have the scripts written. So now I'm just looking for a company or a network to say we want to buy this show from Chris Summer we want to produce this and put this out in the next year and a half and so that's where I'm at now all right cross my fingers knock on wood that's totally going to happen for you I just know it um Thank you. I'm, I'm curious because you have a little bit more or way more expertise than I do in this sort of industry do you think that the your chances are greater because of like the rise of 
Netflix, mm -hmm. Hulu, like HBO, Go, Max, or whatever they're doing now. Sure. Um, like, do you think that there is just so many different platforms and now that like content is being, would you say, I guess content is being picked up and produced more frequently? It's true. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. Back in the day, think about it. There was only three networks, right? CBS, ABC, CN, or ABC. So if you just have, this is us on NBC, Grey's Anatomy on ABC, Bay Bay 3 on CBS, and that's it. There's so many streamers available now for people to actually um, distribute on. So my increases, my chances are definitely increased. Also, it's important to acknowledge the political climate that we're in. Because of the whole Black Lives Matter movement, it's not just Black lives, but people are also interested in Black stories. So the way that I'm looking at this entire pandemic and the fact that I can get on the Zoom with anybody in the answer that I need to, the fact that we're in a Black Lives Matter moment where everyone is trying to understand how we can help and support Black people, and we're in peak television, which is the idea that there's so many streamers out there in the world, I think that my chances of creating a television show and getting on the air are incredibly high and I'm very excited about it. I really do feel like we're in a, it's, if any time for me to get a show, it would be now. I completely agree. And I, th I think that's probably subconsciously why like I was so like interested in the story. And I'm wondering now, you don't have to completely dive in because I know you don't want to spill all the secrets of the shows that you've written. Like, of course that would be against, um, but the tradition of it, I guess. But um, do you, is there, what part of like your own personal story or, influencer i guess does if the books that you've written have those have any sort of influence in the scripts you're writing because i know you talked about how different they were in the actual mm -hmm. writing process but in terms of content do you whether intentionally or unintentionally did you find that sort of implementation of your own narrative yes um i don't mind sharing my ideas because that's how people get heard um, okay you know what? go well, for I it wrote a <laughs> i wrote one of my books dealing with this thing called college which explained my college experience going from Ohio in high school to Morehouse in Atlanta. And so I grew up very sheltered and very much in church. So when I got to college, it was like, whoa, there is a lot out here in the world that I just had no knowledge of. So I took my experience of being super duper sheltered and being in church, in church to going to college. And I wrote a comedy script based on that. So we have this protagonist that goes from Nashville to Atlanta for college. You see him just exploring sex, drugs, alcohol, and partying for the first time, being this super duper sheltered pastor's son. And that's one of my shows, and it's called Dealing. And so for me, I think the best stories are the ones that are authentic, the ones that people can feel. That's how I feel about my books, and that's how I feel about my scripts. All of my scripts will be based on something that I actually know and have lived. And I just hope that when they come out, that they resonate with someone. And that's what I'm trying to tell these executives is that my story matters. Like my scripts yeah. matter. Like they need to be heard and seen. So and, yeah. and that's totally being echoed like across the nation right now too. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, your voice is so powerful and strong enough, but like having this just sort of rising of like demand, like it's going to probably just like tell people like, Oh, like we need to hear the Chris Hillman story. Um, I think it's needed. That's I completely agree. And I am, side note just totally like thankful and just so just happy and i feel personally fulfilled knowing that there are like creators and people like you who are so proud and motivated and ambitious in their storytelling that they're like let me put this out there and let me tell a story because you know it's going to resonate with people whether the executives who are sitting up in high offices know it or not um it's so admirable to see like somebody like you who the thought or like what are my chances isn't even a thought in your mind. It's mm -hmm. just like, I have to tell this story. 
um, which I know is not an easy, an easy place to like get in three books, three shows. I mean, what three accomplishments. Degrees. <laughs> I, oh God, and you're, gosh, I've, you make me feel like I need to like, just get on my feet now and do something, which is, which you're I love. You're doing it. You're doing a, a whole podcast. You're the blueprint. Uh, I appreciate I that. I Insta stories like, oh my gosh, like this guy is so sad. I need to do my design like it. Like, oh no. You inspire me as much, you know what I mean? It's, this is nothing but mutual respect. I, I thank you so much for saying that. I, mm-hmm. I firmly believe like, and that's the objective. I think probably another thing that we have in common is just like, is just inspiring people or it's like, working without any sort of hesitation. And um, I think what I struggle to probably articulate often is how fulfilling it is to work um, so unapologetically on what you love. Like, and it's such a hard point to like get at, but like even just producing like, and your scripts are, they're all going to make it to like wherever like the dream is. I just, I know it. I know it for you. Thank you. Um, but like even just even just writing them, I can imagine was just so fulfilling and boosts your confidence to like write the next sort of one. And so we're gonna transition here to like thinking about like the future, because um, I mean it's, you guys have the brightest future. And I, God, I'm like so grateful that we're doing this right now because I'm gonna have like recorded proof that I know you and I have talked to you, um, <laughs> and hopefully someone is gonna. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like somebody's going to air this like sort of peace and conversation that we've had one day when you're like accepting like your Emmy and be like, oh, like you know, we have like, remember like when you just had written these scripts. So that's, so that's I love that so much. And again, thank you for just being so outspoken about your story. Um, but let's talk about the future because um, I know you're somebody who's not afraid of it um, and you're more so excited by it. Um, and of course, I mean, you just like just released the book. I'm not going to rush another one out of you because I know it's got to, it's got to run its cycle. You got to deliver it um, full force, but I'm intrigued now because of just where the pandemic has put you and um, kind of strangely, we haven't really talked about the pandemic a lot within the show. And I think part of it is because um, there is so much content on that and there's so much conversation on it. Like part of me feels like there needs to be an escape from it. But at one point, like we, we can't escape from reality so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like we do have to like, just kind of face it. Um, so moving forward, like what is, what's like your, what's your like mental like trajectory, like plan? Like, is it, is it a focus on the author, sh- authorship? Am I like, is that, or is yeah. there, I mean, I don't know. Is like, what or is the future of TV just so exciting? I am excited because I plan to be one of the highest paid writers in television. That's what I'm working towards. Absolutely. That's it. It's, and I always tell people, like, people are like, what do you want? What is your, it's very simple. I plan to create TV shows. That's it. I'm not trying to do anything grand. The books are just a side gig. Everything else is just side, just me expressing myself. But I plan to be one of the highest paid writers in Hollywood that creates impactful, intelligent, and mindful television that articulates Black experiences. That's it. I love it. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's very all. Simple. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> very simple. Very simple. Um, as we, as we slowly, we still got a few things to talk about, but as we slowly start to begin to wrap up, um, one of my favorite parts of the shows that we always do is kind of have somebody just tell like a a story or something. And maybe this is a story that you've told so many times that you're probably going to roll. I'm wondering if you you might be able to like, know what I'm going to ask you, because I know this was a huge part of, part of your story and something that I just 
continuously just laughed at in such a good way because I was so excited for you. But you mentioned the Kardashians earlier. Oh, God. And- that- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't worry. We don't have to dive into it too much. But I think if anybody has been following you and they listen to the show and they know a little bit about you, I think they would come at me if I didn't ask about this. So I feel like I just God. have to get it off my chest. Um, so like, how, how are you and um, Kim friends, I guess, is my question. That's so funny. Um, I was in grad school, wrote a paper on Kim Kardashian because I was in a media money trail class. And I wrote a trajectory paper, a, a final paper on the trajectory of Kim's career from season one of Keep Up the Kardashians to like the cover of Forbes. And so it was very relevant because we're talking about media and I did really well on the paper. Did so on the paper that like I put it on Twitter and I was just like, that was my first time writing a graduate school level paper. So I tweeted, I said, hey, I just aced my first graduate school paper. Thank you so much, Kim Kardashian for the inspiration, something like that. And then I remember she retweeted it and said, wow, this is so cool. So then that was the first time I had ever been mentioned by Kim Kardashian was that moment. And then I put that on my resume because I was like, that's hot. Like, oh, if you're looking at my resume, everybody might have a degree from a grade school, da, 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 da. But not everybody can say they've been retweeted by Kim Kardashian for impressive work at graduate school. That was the bullet that I put in my accomplishment section of my resume. So when I started sitting up my resume when I was still in graduate school, I put that on there. And I don't know if it was because of Kim or because of me, but I got a lot of replies fast. A lot of replies fast. And so I said, I put Kim Kardashian on my resume and I've already gotten like three interviews. And then she retweeted me back and said like, good luck on the interviews. I hope you get all the jobs. And that's what kind of like just went crazy. What? In what? Because there was a BuzzFeed article written about you, right? Mm -hmm. BuzzFeed, Yahoo. Paper, <laughs> magazine, all of Boston Globe. Yeah. Were you just like, um, I'm just trying to get through grad school? Or were you like, so like, I don't know. I mean, I'm like thinking at that point, I'd be like, um, okay, screw grad school. I'm set. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. You got your degree oh, from her. <laughs> I just thought it was very cool. Because, but I also know to undervalue viral moments because viral moments are fleeting. So I was very much understanding that like I was not... Because I understand it was a viral moment. It wasn't an opportunity. It would be one thing if she mm-hmm. said, come over and meet me, let's do a Zoom chat. That's different. But it was just like, you know, good luck. So it was just viral. So I was just like grateful that it happened. I just thought it was very, very cool. That's That was my take on it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Why, like, I I believe you, but I also don't believe you. And like how chill you, chill you were about that. I'm like, there's no way you were just like, that was cool. Because I was at work at the time. So I was <laughs> interning. And so when my phone went off, I was on the clock. And I worked at a very tight, quiet space. So I just had to like, go to the bathroom and just like respond. But uh, <laughs> yes, so I was very, very cool because I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get fired. But yeah, very cool moment. I got, I... I, it's so funny as a couple people I've had on the show have had no Kardashian related viral moment but like kind of similar like moments for like there was like a huge moment of attention and everybody recognizes that like that is one not only so rare but like a day later it's just like like it almost is like never happened like there's another viral moment that replaces it right so for me it lasted about maybe two weeks because one thing about a moment is that journalists blow it up and make it bigger Mm-hmm. So then you're doing interviews from Yahoo. I was being interviewed on London on a radio show. So then that kind of makes it just a little bit bigger. And then you're right. Then it just shoo, dies down. Yeah. At that point, were you like, 
were you trying just to plug like your own work and such then like i mean if you're getting interviewed like globally like how are you just limiting to like a retweet like how are you not like um i mean just i was writing a book like it's on sale now you can buy it like i wasn't there yet i wasn't i wasn't a beast like that i was just trying to honor kim because i was hoping that she would reach out to me directly and be like let's do because i was in la so i was hoping she'd be like oh uh, so I just remember kind of playing it humble, like, oh, you know, take it easy. Yeah. You, you, you handled that so much better than, not that I've ever been in that position, but I just know I would not have handled it as well as you. That's, oh, sure <laughs> you that. that's so funny. Yeah, so it was great. Great moment. Great moment. I love that. Well, thank you for telling that story. I've, I was, somebody was going to come at me if I didn't ask you about that. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, I mentioned I have two questions that I always mm-hmm. sort of mention at the end of the show. Um, and you've kind of touched on the first one a little bit, um, but we can go ahead and just revisit because why not? Um, so you have, I mean, there's so many doors open for you. And I love that you're somebody who's like not like closing a door, even just like with the Kim moment, you're like, okay, what do I need to do to keep like that door of opportunity open? Cause you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of manifesting like your future. Um, and I know you said you wanted just to be this, like the top, like top paid. And like I completely manifest that for you. And I, I just know it's going to happen. Um, but maybe we can, maybe we think like on a different sort of timeline. Cause typically I'll ask like in a week or like two weeks or five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, however long it needs to be. I mean, like, what is like, what is the, like, what's a dream on that timeline? Um, um how far do you want to, cause really, honestly, I just did the final draft to the book. So yeah. I'm hoping that I complete, I still got to the photo shoot. I have to lose a little bit more weight. I've been in the gym really heavy. So <laughs> I'm hoping that my book comes out and that I'm really proud of it uh, by the end of the summer. That's like my goal. All right. Dream. That's perfect. God, mm-hmm. okay. You, I, I'm, I've been, truthfully, I've been struggling this whole show just to like, I know the sort of like bits and pieces I want from you, but I just don't even know how to ask. And you have just been answering everything like perfectly. Um, okay. And, I, I always say I have two questions. It's never just two questions though. Cause now I'm curious, like, okay, wait, I didn't even think about like shooting a book cover. Like what a mm-hmm. weird, I'm not weird, but just like something I never really like thought about. Yeah. I mean, like, how do you, how do you, cause I guess everything that you have so far from the book is like written, like then how mm-hmm. do you visualize something or do you, do you know what the cover is going to be the whole time? I have an idea. Um, I have an idea, but I've definitely been looking at a lot of photographers, Instagram pages, trying to get inspiration because I just want the book to be timeless. Um, so like in the book, I don't talk about the pandemic, even though I wrote it during the pandemic, because I don't want those, that feeling and that moment to have residency in my words. I just want to move on. Um, so yeah, I have an idea for the book cover, but we'll see. I have to get skinnier, but we'll see. <laughs> no, God. well, I mean, of course, I mean, I, you deserve to be confident and I mean, gosh, you are, but like, and the way that you write, even just like LinkedIn posts, and just like is so, so like well like done. I mean, Thank huge you. props to like your entire experience. Um, and the second question um, that we can sort of dive into here is, I'll kind of preface it this way, and I do this every single episode. So sorry if people have heard a couple ones, and I'm gonna say the exact same thing again. Um, but what I feel like happens a lot of the time when we do um, shows and such, and we listen to podcasts or TED talks or whatever it may be. A lot of these times, there's are the there are these professionals who are talking and they're saying, like, okay, like, um, you know, you just have to stay true to yourself and like, I don't know, like, just work hard, 
play hard. Like those are just sort of the takeaways that we get. Cliches. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. And which are great. And I don't, I'm not trying to like undervalue or undermine in any sort of way. But what I feel like happens is then it ends and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, what am I actually supposed to do now? Um, and I mean, I think you would agree that there's just a huge world of opportunity out there, basically any industry you want to pursue. I mean, even just with um, publishing and becoming an official author, like just with that company that you worked with, there are those sort of opportunities. And whether you want to speak to maybe um, future TV writers or future authors, whatever it may be, or if you just want to talk to people in general, what is like a tangible piece of advice? So like somebody spent an hour listening to us chat. Now, like with this next hour that they may have, like what's something that they can do and some people have said like, oh, you know, just write a list about a similar organization or somebody that you like and like what you love about them. And just so you can kind of like have a clear trajectory, like what's like a task or something somebody can do right now? Get in touch with yourself. Spend time away from the computer. Spend time away from your phone. Do not listen to music. Really sit in silence and figure out the vision for yourself. And once you have that vision or that idea, whatever that thing is that you want to do, do it and really do it fiercely and do it understanding that not everybody's going to root for you. Not everybody's going to be proud of you. Not everybody's going to like you. But if you can just know yourself and hold on to your vision and work at it, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, yeah. That's I, comple all? I completely agree. I completely agree. And again, you said it way better than I probably ever could, but like, and I mean, everyone knows, I mean, obviously you have a way with words, but like, that and it's that's such a hard point to like get to i mean especially mm -hmm. as you're starting out and i mean this show is i mean covers a tons of different range of young creatives like or people who have been working with their project for years now um i think uh i think we all went through that sort of point out like one time when you're like there is a point when the only person that believes in your work is you and usually right. like family and friends are the first people that follow and are that supportive like time um but I love that I love that you kind of touched on that sort of point when like you don't even really know your direction yet. Um, and I mean, personally, like I don't even think I know my direction yet. I mean, again, quarter life crisis has happened over these past couple of weeks where I'm just like, am I doing what I want to do? Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I, I love is I don't think that ever stops. I don't think that's a no. 20. <laughs> I think you always are in the space of, am I moving in the direction of my best life? And that's there because everybody, I'm living my best life as if it's stagnant. It's a spectrum and you could be either moving and closer to being who you really are and in that space or the opposite. And so yeah. that's what I always just challenge people to do is to really ask yourself, am I moving in the direction of a person I could be proud of? And if your answer is yes, keep moving, regardless of who is supportive and who's not. Regardless. Exactly. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, hate and such is inevitable. Like, I think that's something Absolutely. I've grown to and accept. And people say that and then when they get it, they're like, oh my God, this person doesn't like me. I'm yeah. Like, that's well, that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's totally okay. I mean, I've total transparent, like I've cried many a times over like work that I've created and been proud of that hasn't resonated in the way I hoped. But in like, you're like, okay, with the next project, like, am I going to, how am I going to change that? But like, like, wait, no, like you, I mean, I you write for other people and I don't want to put words into your mouth either. So you can totally correct me, but like you write for other people, but like you are like writing for yourself. Mm -hmm. This is my vision that yeah. I'm trying to bring into the world that I'm trying to birth. And that's how I feel. Like I know people, I mean, people were very much against me leaving my job, which I don't understand. I never understand that, but <laughs> it was, it's my job. It's my life. Yeah, <laughs> like, was, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
yeah, you have to just, that's the thing is you have to have the vision. That's the thing is you have to have the vision and trust the vision. And you can look in history. Every single successful person has the vision from Oprah Winfrey, Obama. And people often forget that Obama was not popular when he ran for president in the beginning. When he was in the primaries, they were like, oh, he's too young. He won't make Mm -hmm. it. And they did not. I invite people to look at Barack Obama on 60 Minutes, like in 2008, you know what I mean? They they weren't taking him seriously. Um, So it's important that we understand that you have to push towards the vision regardless of who's with you or not. And if you just trust your heart, you'll make it every single time, every single time. And I know that from experience. I, God, you, I can't thank you enough for your time. And I think I could ask you a million more questions and I want to learn just so much about what, what you've sort of learned because you are somebody who follows their passion so unapologetically and it's so admirable. And I know your journey has been one that has just taken you all over the country and has brought you into headlines and such. And I know you're still just working so hard in that sort of spirit and energy hasn't dissolved. So Thank you so, so much for being on the show. I'll make sure I plug absolutely all the incredible work that you're doing at the very end in the outro here. So don't feel like you got to spit that like all out right now because I know it's a lot and you're doing some amazing stuff. But like sincerely, from the very bottom of my heart, like I appreciate your time and I appreciate your transparency too because I know it's it's not easy to like, in industries, especially like TV I know is so competitive. Like it's rare that we have people who are just trying to help other people too. Right. Thank you. And I'm going to do better at like sharing my story. Like I've not been very active on social in this way. I used to be, Hey, and we'll just talk. And I've not done that in a while, but I think we're going to start back once we finish this because it's important that I have my voice and I never let it be diminished. So you doing this for me is helping me too. Like I'm going to be back on social media talking and painting the picture and inspiring people unapologetically. So I appreciate you for lighting the fire back in me because it's needed. Well, whatever, whatever I can do, whatever silly me can do for you. I mean, always. Um, thank you so much again for joining the show. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening today and a special shout out to Chris for joining us. I hope you felt at least a little bit inspired by his story. I know I did. Continue following his journey at thechrissumlin.com and following him at thechrissumlin and keep an eye out for his third book, Halfway Through My 20s. You're going to want to read it, I promise you. And want to keep following the show? I... I can't say much, but you're going to love our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service and follow us at Friendly Media. That's F-R-N-D-L-Y on all platforms. You can also follow me at Jake Brewer Music if you want to. Well, that's all for today. See you next time for some more Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking.